0: There's been, perhaps, no athlete in history who played their sport at a higher level than Barry Bonds.
1: Bonds' career was filled to the brim with accolades, controversy, and unequivocal dominance, the likes of which we may never see again in Major League
0: Baseball. His career was one so full of exciting moments, shocking twists, and simply unfathomable accomplishments that no one 30-minute YouTube video could possibly cover it in its entirety. So, we made five and will be releasing one every Sunday for the next month. Welcome to the first episode of a five-part series about the career of one of sports' most extraordinary athletes.
1: My name is Mike, that's my co-host Matt, and throughout this series, the two of us will be joined by a variety of special guests ranging from coaches to creators to teammates of Barry Bonds even, all in an effort to highlight the career of baseball's most controversial legend, Today we'll be joined by University of Delaware's head coach and devout Pittsburgh Pirates fan, Greg Mamula. His experience in D1 baseball and watching the Pirates was extremely valuable here. And listen out for this little sound effect. To know when we transition in and out of our conversations with guests. Welcome to Bonds. So I want to start you off with a really easy but loaded question. When you see Barry Bonds, what do you think of?
0: One of the most historic uh, presences, not just in baseball, but in all of sports. I mean, you could split his career into two sections, and you'd probably get two different Hall of Fame careers with very different kinds of headlines. I did not know much about Barry Bonds coming into this, so an exciting thing for me has been getting to learn the details about his career uh, that i hadn't otherwise been exposed to there's just so much to learn and through this experience it's been uh, a pleasure getting to understand why he's been such a huge part of baseball in its history
1: i figured that's why we're here in a, that depth that you were talking about like there's look how many parts we're gonna get into for this of just distinct points of his career but the craziest thing to me is that for much of his early life you wouldn't even think of him He was just Bobby Bonds' kid for the overwhelming majority of his childhood. He's talked about how people would be like, oh, hey, Bobby, and then correct themselves and say Barry. So he was a guy who didn't even have an identity for a little bit. I saw him talk about how he named his son Nikolai because you could never confuse it with Barry. Uh, And it is very interesting because his father is a player that he was compared to for a lot of his career early on, especially in Pittsburgh. Uh, His dad made three all-star appearances. He had 332 home runs and stole well over 400 bases. He was a really good player. Great hall of very good guy with the Giants mainly. Uh, And it's just hard to think about how a player like that in your own family both overshadows you and is now completely forgotten now because of how good Barry became.
0: I was watching an interview with him, uh, I think on the San Francisco Giants YouTube channel, talk about his early upbringing, you know, being... Bobby Bonds's son, as well as Willie Mays's godson. And, you know, to come from a bloodline like that, it's pressure enough to have a dad like Bobby Bonds, but to also have Willie Mays in the family. And originally, Barry wasn't even interested in baseball. He was more of a, you know, basketball, football guy, kind of hard to believe how different the sports world would have been had he, you know, taken any one of those other routes. But he, yeah, not only overshadows his dad, but he overshadows pretty much Every other player that's ever played this game, and he to say the least exceeded the high expectations set by his dad's career and legacy.
1: I mean, we do know he can play basketball. There was that like celebrity dunk contest thing they did in the early 90s that Bonds participated in. Uh, so
0: he How was good good good. He in that.
1: Uh, I don't think he won. I wish I watched that in a little more detail before coming in. Uh, but I know like Ken Griffey Jr. was in that, Kenny Lofton. I think Deion Sanders, just a lot of like those early '90s sports staples were in some dunk contests. No basketball players, really. Uh, I know Ken. I used a Ken Griffey Jr. clip in a video like years ago. That's how I Mm -hmm. first found out about that. But it's just like corroborating the whole. Hey, maybe he didn't love baseball that much at first, when especially when you're pigeonholed into being just your dad's son and almost nothing more for a little bit. But I would say where that started to break is when he started to play college ball. He was at Arizona State kind of right at the tail end of their heyday, which is like early eighties, late seventies, much different college baseball landscape than today. Uh, But the one thing I think everyone can agree on, even in the locker room, which we'll get into in a minute, is that he was really good at Arizona State.
0: Absolutely. The one thing I do want to say about a point you just made is that even though I'm just starting to get to know bonds fully, I was shocked that he didn't win the the slam dunk contest. Just goes to show how good of an athlete he is across the board. Uh, But as far as Arizona State, I mean, he was phenomenal statistically from the beginning. Uh, Some of the numbers, 347 batting average, 45 homers, 175 runs driven in at ASU. There were some, you know, call them issues in the locker room, which was kind of a, a prologue to some of the stuff that headlined his career, especially in the later days. He was named ASU On Deck Circle MVP. And a couple other winners, SRS favorite, Dustin Pedroia, Paul LaDuca, and surprisingly, Ike Davis. I don't know. That's a bit of a deep yeah. name, but um, he was, um, we'll get into this, you know, drafted sixth overall, which even seems a little too late for you know, the kind of talent that he had, even from a younger age. And this Do, actually we, have, ties...
1: do we have the five teams who passed on him? Like right off we the We do.
0: Head. Yes. Uh, I have the draft in here.
1: You ready? I'm ready. Let's hear it.
0: So the Brewers, the Giants, surprisingly, the Texas Rangers, the Reds, and the White Sox.
1: You touched on issues, though. The word to dumb down his reputation at Arizona State would be unpopular, just to put it in uh, both nice and simple terms. He was not very uh, agreeable and not very well-liked during his time there. In fact, there was a vote where the overwhelming majority of the team uh, were like, yeah, we want to kick him off. And he was so good that the coach was like, you know what? Nah, we're not going to. Your vote doesn't matter.
0: It was all but
1: two, right? I believe it was all but two. Wow. Well, and baseball, that... baseball rosters are significantly more than two people. So the overwhelming majority were like, yeah, Barry Bonds is amazing. But like, we don't like you this much that we don't want you on the team. Like, and This coach was just like, the coach at Arizona State was like, yeah, he is so good that we don't even really care about this vote.
0: Mm -hmm. And just as to show how good he was, but how do you think that plays into a team? I guess it doesn't. He was still drafted sixth overall, but do you think some of these first five teams that I mentioned maybe passed up on him because of that?
1: I wouldn't be stunned. It does, like, personality does matter. In drafting, there's a lot of things that go into drafting that people don't talk about. There's the money side of it, a million different things that go into, especially when team's first pick of the draft uh, in the first round. Uh, they really want to get that one right, and there's a lot that goes into it.
0: Just about his not being elected, at ASU something that was kind of a, a prologue, as I mentioned, to the rest of his career. Having not ever heard him speak and hearing him speak for the first time, I wasn't expecting the kind of more soft-spoken. Barry Bonds, you know, I hear all these stories about fights and teammates not liking him and his hassles with the media, and hearing him speak for the first time was not what I expected. Are you focusing
1: on just his voice?
0: Kinda. Like, the way he speaks, like, his voice and just the things he says, like, in some of his interviews. Play a
1: clip of Barry Bonds speaking right now, just so the listener slash viewer has a frame of reference.
0: And I can tell you a
2: thousand stories and I can teach your kids and I can get with them and I can make them improve and I can do these wonderful things. But then when you tell me, Barry, I want you to go talk to, do this and do that. I'm like, I can't do that.
1: So there are two big Arizona State Barry Bonds stories, incidents, events, whatever you want to call them. One is there was kind of a pseudo pine tar game like at bat that he had where. He essentially hit a home run and was called out for it due to some illegal bat type thing. The clip is kind of wild uh, if you want to find it yourself. And it is just it shows you how he was a very controversial, even on-field figure, uh, from the time he was younger than we are. We're both 23, 24. And from well before that, he was uh, considered kind of a controversial guy even on the field. But he could still ball, the other big thing is that he had eight hits in a row in the College World Series in Omaha, not like eight hits. Eight consecutive at-bats were hits at one point, which is tied the record up there. But the thing that I've always remembered about that when we found the clip, I I swear to you, the umpire had one arm. The home plate umpire has one arm. Like, I swear to you.
0: So it sounds like this isn't, Verified yet? Do we not know if this is true?
1: Yes, it like hold on. I'm going to just personally present okay. this to you.
0: Let's sure. Share. Boom. Yeah. Am I supposed to be seeing something? I don't see anything.
1: You don't? I'm sharing my screen. Oh, uh
0: oh, you're right.
1: Huh. I feel boom. like I
0: boom. How have we not had a video done on him yet?
1: Just a There's, brief tangent. Like, how does that work? So switching gears, he did get drafted uh, by the Pittsburgh Pirates, sixth overall, as you said earlier. He was up in the big leagues by 21. And to the surprise of pretty much everyone, if you if you didn't know about it, he wasn't that great when he first came up.
0: No, I have some stats here, actually.
1: Do you now? About, like rookie Barry Bonds dude, stats?
0: Rookie Barry Bonds, 1986, 113 games played, 223 batting average. He OPS plus above average which, you know, considering Bonds' worst season was above average, I think that says a lot. Not really much of a surprise. He only hit 16 homers, didn't really find his power swing yet, didn't really translate directly from ASU, uh, just under a strikeout per game. He did steal 36 bases, which is one other thing I was very surprised to know. I didn't know that Barry Bonds was such a good base stealer. Oh, he was... Of these numbers. Well, he might have been the expert. best power
1: speed guy who ever lived.
0: Yeah, no kidding. I... I Did not know. I knew he was a good glove. I knew he was obviously a fantastic bat and he'd be able to get on base uh, just about any time he came up to the plate, but stolen base numbers, I had no clue, like off the charts. And 36 stolen bases is really respectable, even for, you know, 1986 when stolen bases were a lot more common than they are today.
1: The minor league numbers were good. He had 20 career minor league home runs in 115 minor league games. He only played 115 minor league games. They started him in A ball, then he went to triple A. In eighty-six, uh played forty-four games there, hundred and forty-eight at bats, and then bang, your your boy was a big leaguer uh in very quick time.
0: Still, even with those somewhat underwhelming numbers, still finished sixth in the rookie of the year vote.
1: So, but point stands, he didn't have that great of a start, which for someone who's very commonly in the discussion for best baseball player who ever lived, and when we're in a world today where a lot of these young guys kind of right off the bat normally have really good jumps of it it's kind of awestruck like awestrucking or whatever the word that you want to put there i don't think awestrucking is a word uh
0: but it is for this podcast or <laughs> this show how about that well, whatever we're gonna call it even looking at uh bonds's reference page it didn't really seem like he became bonds until 90. so it took him a few years like he had a, some pretty great seasons in 88 and 89 but like nothing bonds level uh, but then you know you have the the 90s bonds those mvp seasons he won his mvp in uh, in 90 his first one one of many as we'll touch on several times throughout this
1: well did he, when, what year did he make his first all-star appearance
0: um that same year in 90 so he really blew up in 1990 his first all-star appearance first mvp win first gold glove first silver slugger ops plus at 170 we will get into that
1: so you did say you were a Pittsburgh Pirate fan. Can you tell us about you know that experience rooting for Barry on your favorite team when he was coming into his own?
2: Yeah, I, I grew up in Western Pennsylvania. I was fortunate that I had a um, dad that was a baseball coach and would take me to a lot of Pirate games. Um, I was really, really into Major League Baseball, whether it was baseball cards in the winter, Stratomatic, if you know what that is, Michael. Um, watching as much baseball, watching the Pirates and I had one of those houses that the Pirate Game was on the radio and TV every single night. If we were in the car, we were listening to it. Um, just great memories of childhood and um, Barry Bonds. Um, so I have strong opinions about Barry. If you want me to share those with you, Michael, as, as a Pittsburgh Pirate fan. Absolutely. Okay, so Barry, in my opinion, was, um, you know, Pittsburgh I would consider a blue-collar steel meal. City, you know, my family grew up working in the still mills in Pittsburgh, but um, blue collar and Barry, obviously in Pittsburgh, wasn't, you know, that type of player. He was flashy. He had the dangling cross earring, um, pimp home runs, not always run hard, not overly friendly with the media. Um, you know, kind of, I think it was kind of a love hate thing. And actually, growing up at that time in Western Pennsylvania, like you had to be a little bit of a rebel to like Barry Bonds, because that's not how you're technically supposed to play the game at that time. Um, And it was kind of like, you know, the antithesis was the center fielder Andy Van Slyke that the Pirates had, who played really hard, was really friendly with the media, was kind of the face of the franchise and come to find out years later that Barry and Andy did not have a great, relationship so that was my memory but you couldn't deny when he was a pirate obviously the talent level um the things he was doing on a field with you know his defense and left field for pittsburgh you know the bases he was stealing i think there was maybe some 40 stolen base seasons in there the home runs he was hitting um just a really really talented player for pittsburgh
1: it's hard to imagine Barry Bonds as like a trendy, up and coming young player that was kind of underrated. You said no one cared about OPS plus in 1988 and 89, but he's he's pushing 150. Uh, really good power, speed guy. Uh, he's consistently in like the high 20s, home runs and the high, like 30 to 40 stolen base range all these years. Uh, so that that's a guy who can play, and he's what 22, 23 most of this time. So that's I'm surprised they weren't a little higher on him than they seem. So the no All-Star appearances is is really weird to look back on.
0: Well, until that point, especially because people weren't using advanced metrics at this point in the late 80s. I wonder if it was a surprise in 90 when he kind of exploded because he had some really good years, you know, in his first four, but you know, nothing Bonds level. So, I know he did some fantastic things at Arizona State, but even when he became Barry Bonds in 1990, uh, in the in the way that we know Barry Bonds I bet it was a bit of a surprise to to the Pirates. You wonder board. if he was
1: viewed as a disappointment, which Barry Bonds and disappointment being in the same sentence is like really
0: infathomable. Well, another thing that I do want to mention is that, you know, 148 OPS plus, 126 OPS plus, these are very good numbers. And we're still talking about the words disappointment, you know, in the same sentence, but it just goes to show how hard, how high the bar is for Bonds and his career, you know, in retrospect, looking back.
1: Absolutely.
0: Is, yeah. And he was a guy
1: who was what's let's not look at one thing lost Everyone still kind of hated him in Pittsburgh so you do wonder if the not really wanting to give him credit was because they didn't like him like you know Jim there's the very famous video of Jim Leland and him screaming at each other in the face in spring training uh he was still not necessarily a popular figure uh when he was in Pittsburgh at least amongst like his peers
0: So correct me if I'm wrong, but that incident, was that because of his scuffle at spring training with uh, a reporter who was getting in his face, according to Barry? Yeah,
1: Barry kind of accused the Pirates of setting him up. uh, Make of that what you will. Uh, And Jim Leland kind of tried to put him in his place, and it became, uh, at the time, a very public video of a player and manager yelling at each other, cursing each other out, which put yourself in 30-plus years ago headspace. That is so... Uncommon to be seen pre internet, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that kind of set the baseball world on fire for a little bit.
0: Now, what year was this incident?
1: I believe it was 90. I'm going to check. I so, this
0: wrong. was, as we were just talking about, before, you know, his huge breakout. So, now imagine a world where he does this even sooner, say the first season, and he's already having issues. I think there's a non zero likelihood the Pirates don't really put up with that for too much longer. If he's going to put up, you know, not Barry bonds numbers for during the time it's 91 things. Okay. All right. So we had, I'm sure a little more leeway there, you know, just coming off of an MVP, which was probably good for him and the future of his career. Who knows how different it would have been. So 90 NBA.
1: MVP year, this kind of bonds breakout, so to speak, led the league in OPS OPS plus and slugging, uh, won a gold glove too, and a silver slugger award. This is a guy who is a true five tool player. And he was doing it on a team that was ascending. The Pirates made the playoffs for the first time in a while. uh, Won the NL East. Uh, The first of three straight years, Barry took the Pittsburgh Pirates to one stage short of the World Series.
0: And to that last quote, flash forward a little bit, and Barry Bonds had specifically said after a playoff game, you know, one team or one person can't, you know, do it all for a team. So kind of goes to show that, those three NLCSs, those three championship appearances didn't really go the way the Pirates wanted to. And Those were some pretty good teams, and they just fell short three straight years and in a very dramatic fashion in that last one. I don't know if we want to transition into that yet, but uh, that 1992 NLCS especially, I think, shows a lot about Barry Bonds, especially in those earlier days before he became that household name.
1: I do just want to, before we transition, are you aware of who his big co-star in Pittsburgh at this time was,
0: uh, was it Bobby Benia or Jeff Bobby Van Scott Van Slick?
1: Andy Van Slyke. Scott is the child. Scott Got is it. who's, uh, doing the stare down with Joe Kelly in the 2013. Uh, yes. NLCS. Yeah. Wow. And his, his dad was a pretty good center fielder. That, that was a really good team with Benia, bonds, Van like we talk. they go to three straight NLCS. That's a pretty good team. Uh, but the, bubble bursting fact that we could just rip the band-aid off for is that they didn't win any of
0: them no and a lot of those or a majority of those losses were against the atlanta braves in a pretty unfortunate fashion and uh it started a a nice little rivalry between the braves and barry bond specifically not the braves and a team uh barry would be in a pennant race with them when he joins his next team in 1993 and he'd reference those uh matchups in the nlcs against the braves a lot and yeah, that was really the last breath for the Pirates. I mean, they had some runs, you know, in the late two thousands, early twenty tens. Um, but the Pirates haven't really done much serious since then.
1: When bon- like when Bonds did leave, which we're about to get to, he he does leave Pittsburgh. Is you're most likely aware. He they they really weren't the same for really ever. You're right. Uh, they didn't go to the playoffs for twenty one years until twenty thirteen. Uh, they never really got anything going for the most part, except for one wild card game win. That was really their last heyday. Is having Bonds up there.
0: Their first playoff game after was that the Cueto game when Johnny was with the Reds, or was that the, the following year? I believe year?
1: so. I believe that is the first Pirate playoff game since since twenty in twenty thirteen, and it was since
0: nineteen ninety two. It's a good thing we didn't invite Urinating Tree on this podcast. It would have gotten pretty loud.
1: <laughs> you mentioned the Braves rivalry, and we mentioned that Bonds was going to leave. What if I told you those two things were very connected for a little while? Let's just say that there was a deal that was being worked on to send Barry Bonds to the Atlanta Braves uh, in 1992 that went far enough along that the Braves started you know, prepping how they were going to do the press release, all that stuff. And then the everything just kind of got ripped from under them because, funny enough, Jim Leland was like, "Yeah, no, we're not doing this." Same thing, like they were going to ship him off. And then the same thing in Arizona State, a manager comes in and was like, this, "This isn't happening."
0: And the best part about that, maybe the craziest part, is that the trade was, I guess, repealed the day it was supposed to go through. So imagine a world where. You know, Barry Bonds gets traded to the Braves. Maybe he doesn't go to the Giants because the Pirates didn't pay him. and That's why he eventually leaves. Say the Braves do pay him. They're a very formidable franchise at this point. I'm sure Barry wouldn't mind staying there. And, you know, his career could have looked pretty different. And the only thing standing between that reality and what we have now was Jim Leland. Last minute. (laughs) Stopping that trade.
1: You wonder if what they would like. We do know what they would have gotten. It was not the most sizable return for Barry. Uh, Because it does almost show you that his value was really weird at this time because of his image, even though he was one of the best players in baseball and he was about to hit his free agency uh, after 92. So at this time, he has a bit of a unquantifiably weird and kind of low value, even though 92, he also wins the National League MVP award. He is still just in a stream where he's cruising in Pittsburgh, still young, still in his first contract, still Hitting home runs, stealing bases, playing great defense, doing essentially everything you can ask except
0: win. Barry Bonds, let me read you some stats. In 1992, had an OPS plus of 204, 104% huh. better than league average, still nowhere near his ceiling, as we'll see later in his career. Uh, the second of, two, of three, the second MVP award in three years, he almost went three for three. In 91, he was the runner-up.
1: But the thing that thing like we good. can't sell short that I said a second ago that I really want to repeat and like drill into your brain is that this was a guy who did everything on a baseball field, everything.
0: Mm-hmm. There's not a single measure where he lacks, at least that I can see on this stat line.
1: At this, point. there is one. Group. I can kind, of, I will kind of correct myself. He wasn't playing that well in those playoff series losses. That was kind of the one knock on him is that I don't like. I don't want to use the word choke. Uh, but that was kind of a stigma at this time that, you know, when the Pirates had their shot, go win a best of seven series and you're in the fall classic, that he was not the superstar that he was normally. And by by every account, they didn't win. His numbers weren't nearly as good. They might not have even been good, depending on who you're asking. Uh, and, yeah, it's just showing. You wonder, though, if he was in Atlanta with uh, a team that did overcome them twice, uh, to go to 91 and 92, if maybe the Atlanta Braves beat the Blue Jays in '92, uh, leaves John Olerud with one less ring, which kind of hurts my heart a little bit. As you know, I'm—I would probably die for John Olerud uh, if I'm it came you didn't down smile to
0: that. When you said his name, good for you.
1: <laughs> I did smile. Very like, even though if you can't see me, you can probably tell I'm beaming uh, just from the... <laughs> You know the inflection in my voice right now if you want to know who john olerud is he is the polar opposite of barry bonds in terms of everything except that he could play good defense and have fantastic batting averages but even so point stands uh barry bonds was a guy whose entire legacy in pittsburgh was that he left a lot of meat on the bone for what could have been now the most famous game barry ever played as a pirate was his last one they were in a game seven down in atlanta Winner goes to play the Blue Jays in the World Series. Uh, Really tight game uh, going down to the wire. Both teams are in it for pretty much the whole way. Uh, And it ends because of kind of Barry Bonds' fault. Uh, I do know you know about this, so do you want to tee up the very last thing that Barry Bonds did in a pirate uniform.
0: Okay, so the pirates are up two nothing in the ninth inning. Doug Drebeck's pitching in the ninth inning of a two nothing game. He's still on the mound. He's thrown eight innings of shutout ball at this point, point. and he gets into some trouble. Stan Belinda, their closer, comes in to try and seal the deal. The bases are loaded. There is one out, and I also need the name of this pinch hitter. I know it's Francisco Cabrera. Cabrera. Francisco Cabrera,
1: who is not a very well respected on field baseball player. He's a backup catcher, maybe even lower. Like, Disco Cabrera is known as kind of a guy who did one thing and one thing only, which is get the game winning hit in a playoff game that sent his team to the World Series. Uh, at this point, he is a 25 year old reserve catcher who played in 12 games in 1992. His career wins above replacement, which we'll get to Barry Bonds's and explaining that, but just to get it like wins above replacement out of the way. Francisco Cabrera's for his career was 0.5 on baseball reference, which means that for his whole career, he was only about half a win better than what is considered a replacement level big league catcher. And this is the guy who no one takes seriously, except Barry Bonds, apparently, because Barry Bonds is standing a little too far back out in left field in this situation uh, for a game winning hit.
0: At this point, I don't think we touched on it. Andy Vance like.
1: Yeah, there you go. You got you got Dad's memory. name right.
0: Him and Barry Bonds do not like each other. So when Andy Van Slyke tells Bonds in left field, hey, move in a little bit, Barry gives him the peace sign. He's not having it. So, the peace sign? The peace sign. He could have given him a much worse sign, which is what I would have expected from Barry, but no. So Barry says no on the next pitch, or at least in that at-bat. Cabrera plunks it into left field. Bonds throws slightly offline. The tying run had already scored. The winning run's coming around to score. The runner beats Sid the throw. Bream. I, was the runner?
1: Sid Bream is the runner. And uh, let's not get it twisted. Sid Bream was slow. So it was kind of a huge deal that he beat this throw in the first place.
0: Just barely. Uh, just, just barely. Just and you know if Bonds
1: had both been one of the majority who was like, yeah, Francisco Cabrera is not a very good big league hitter. No disrespect to all the Francisco Cabrera – Lovers out there, but if he would move a little in, took Annie Van Slyke's advice, or just was a little bit ruder in his perception of Francisco Cabrera, Pirate season might not end right there.
0: Well, two minor points. One, this was the first playoff hit of Francisco Cabrera's major league career.
1: It's, it is considered kind of an amazing moment in underdog history that Francisco Cabrera's who did it. It's one of the beautiful things about baseball that it's a guy that you would you would never know his name if he didn't do that, and he's the guy who. Had a walk-off hit that sent the Braves to the World Series. That's kind of what's awesome about baseball, right there. Is that there's this is a game that's chock full of stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm. And then the second point is that to Bon's credit, what he the reason why he said he did not move forward was because Cabrera had hit some missiles that that had gone foul. But that's why he had stayed back. I'm not saying that that's the correct approach, but that's also something to consider.
1: You did say it was 2-0 going to the ninth, so the Braves scored three in the bottom of the ninth?
0: Braves scored three in the bottom of the ninth. The Pirates were a win away from, you know, breaking this NLCS mini slump. And, and Cabrera
1: gets the, the hit with one out, you
0: said. Yep.
1: How did and they get the first run? Because you said two runs single that makes it 3-2. How did they get the first run?
0: I believe it was a sack fly. I'll double check. Uh, yep, a sacrifice fly from Ron Gantt off Stan Belinda. It was the first yeah. battery faced with the bases loaded. The deep so, left field drive.
1: So yeah, big rally in game seven.
0: So regarding the 1992 NLCS, um, how do you feel about it as a Pirates fan? What's your take on Bonds in left field, supposedly refusing to move up?
2: Yeah, no, I
0: was at, I was
2: not at that game. Um, I was at one of the games earlier in the series when the Pirates lost maybe game three, four. I don't remember exactly. Um, And again, was completely dialed in. Like that was my life, live and die by the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates at that time. But um obviously it didn't come out i don't think until later at least that i heard later that supposedly van like told barry to move up um you know on the orlando Cabr- orlando cabrera i think francisco. it's francisco francisco um when sid brain scored from second you know this whole story and Vance like told him to move up he refused to and obviously if he was shallower he had a much better chance of throwing him out at uh, home plate so that like was such a bad taste, I guess, when you learned that later. And the whole play of Sid Bream, this former Pittsburgh Pirate, um, Pennsylvania native running through a stop sign to beat the Pirates, you know, and obviously sent the franchise to a very bad place and one playoff appearance, you know, since since then so i don't know if that's what you're after matt but that's my recollection and take on that i
0: actually didn't know the second base runner was uh was a pittsburgh native yeah well not he's a pennsylvania native
2: carlisle pennsylvania he actually lives in pittsburgh ironically now and i know i don't know about now but i heard him say 10 15 years ago he occasionally would get um you know somebody would yell at him when he was out in public for (laughs) scoring that run against the pirates
1: (laughs) So this was like, Pirates get three outs in that spot coming in 2-0. The Pittsburgh Pirates are in the World Series, which is a thought that anybody under the age of about 30 has never had in pretty much their whole life.
0: Yeah, and the most important piece, I think, is this is the end of Barry Bonds' career as a Pittsburgh Pirate.
1: It is kind of incomprehensible that this is the last moment that the Pirates are, you know, one of these teams that's knocking on the door of the championship. It's about, like, it's the flip side of when people who are the age of you and me think about that the red sox didn't win a world series for 86 years and now they've had four since 2004 it's kind of like oh wow the pittsburgh pirates used to be you know a team that was three outs away from the world series it's equally as crazy to wrap your head around in modern headspace
0: it's almost tragic i can't imagine being a pirates fan and being that close not just being that close but losing in the way that you do
2: my really, I guess, baptism to Major League Baseball's free agency, you know, as a fan and probably in middle schoolish at the time, maybe early high school years, was Barry um, electing to not sign with the Pirates as when he when he became a free agent. I remember the city and myself just being in an uproar and thinking like, "What a coward! I can't believe he would do this to this organization." And as I know now, you know, like that's the business side of it and. Of course, he was going to chase more money elsewhere. But as a as a young fan, I didn't understand it. So I had for years, I had this dislike and rooted against Barry once he left um, Pittsburgh.
1: Now this year, this past year in the 2022 baseball season, Barry Bonds did talk about his free agency on a K-Rod ESPN simulcast. And he said for a brief period, the New York Yankees offered him a very good deal. They were the first team that gave him a call and was like, hey, uh here's your offer and it was the first one that bonds camp was like hey this is really good and then 30 minutes later another team kind of came in and you know he couldn't say no do you want to touch on why he couldn't say no
0: sure so his father Bobby Bonds had some of his most memorable seasons as a member of the San Francisco Giants. And, and it,
1: as did his godfather, Mr. Willie Mays. As
0: especially his godfather, Willie Mays. <laughs> and when the Giants come knocking, that's kind of an offer in the, in the words of the godfather that he can't refuse. And they paid him
1: very, very well, which uh, for the time was a record $43.75 million was the, was the terms of the deal before the 93 season. Uh, Max Scherzer makes basically that in one year today, shows you the Mm -hmm. evolution of money in baseball, but for, for a brief stretch, Barry Bonds was the highest paid player in the history of baseball. And would, would you say he earned it
0: up to this point in his career?
1: Yes. Strictly did pirates bonds earn being the highest paid player of all time.
0: I'd say yes, just for the simple fact he won two MVPs out of the last three years, and he was still and still a significant portion of his career. Almost won three in a row. So
1: And this is a team that saw the potential too. They probably paid him more because they recognized that same thing, that like, this is a homecoming, this is a guy that's gonna be our star, he's the face of the franchise, he's so connected in our lore that it's that it's a guy who, even off the field, is going to just fit in perfectly. At least with the like He's going to be a legend in Giants baseball. They saw that coming. And uh, not to spoil too much what we're going to talk about. We're going to leave it on this note, though. They were right.
0: To say the least.